So hi folks, hello once again and you're very welcome along to another programme, to another edition of Down Your Way, definitely in north of the county this week, I'm in St Anne's in Ross Grey, yeah, it's about four, maybe five years ago I was in St Anne's in Ross Grey, uh, I'm sure it was, uh, uh, Teresa Collins is with me, how are you doing Teresa? Hello Eamon, how are you? It's great to be here, and indeed on in my introduction I just got lost here because it's an emotional part of uh, County Tipperary for most people. It's a very emotional part of County Tipperary, uh, Sean Ross with the mother and baby homes over the centuries and um, look, we're here to tell the tale, most of us, mm-hmm. there's a few still missing as the saying is and a few has passed away without any coverage to the finish of it like you know when I was here was it four years ago roughly I think about roughly yeah it was 1819 around there yeah so it just I just couldn't get over that day and it's huge and I turned in the gate today here yeah this is it again you know maybe not everything solved but we're getting there yeah it is it and I think um, we're coming to the end as the saying is to solving most of it Mm -hmm. Um, the way we look at it is it's our history it's our past We'll bring the past to the future and we'll solve it. Now, we have worked on issues, say, going with scans, which is our main issue to get finished, this part of Sean Ross, is to identify the 1,090 children that is missing, to scan to see are they buried and where they are actually buried is the main issue of this. Um, I suppose I'm so used to coming in and out now, I'm getting to like it, which I didn't before, but I think you can see a bit of peace has come into it, especially with Tony and Paul Fogarty have done marvellous work to it and you can see the bit being renovated on the inside. So you see hope. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we get the hope from the government to get the scans as much as the house is getting the hope. Okay. Take me from the top because when I was here uh, everybody was sad and feeling sadness and I'm sure they're mm-hmm. going to be still sad here today. But talk to me from the top here. How did all this come about, Sean Ross? It came about that um, basically when I got involved with the Sean Ross American Group and they were fantastic at the time. And then the Commission of Inquiries, when we started to look into our uh, files, basically, uh, Martin Brown bought it into the Dáil for us going back in 015. Mm-hmm. And he bought it in through uh, the group of ethnic minority and illegal adoptions. That's where it came in mm-hmm. on the part. So we fought tooth and nail for the last, God knows how many years, to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. With that then, they did set up the Commission of Inquiries mm-hmm. and um, give us some of the answers, but not all the answers. I mean, they left us very open in ways. Yeah, okay. And we're still working with them to see can we to get the full answers. I mean, we're not giving up. Yeah. OK, we're here. What happened here Uh fifty? 60, 70, 80 years ago? Well, I suppose, Eamon, when you look at it, any unmarried mother coming in the gates or coming in with a family member, the first thing they see is their big red door there in front of you, which I'll be taking you through. Uh, probably a nun with a big black habit frightened the life out of a poor person, God help us. Mm-hmm. It was bad enough being expected without being frightened. But just when you walked inside, you see the study, you see the entranceway, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. But in, okay, we take it back when when somebody got pregnant, when a lady got pregnant, yeah. and all the rest of a young girl at the time. Uh, how did she get to be here? Why didn't she be looked after at home? Well, some cases maybe they didn't want. We can't say it is all. You know what I mean? Um, you can't say it is all the religious order's fault. But nine times out of ten, it was the parish priest had a great say in the unmarried mothers. And out of that great say, they found out a way of making money. I mean, with illegal adoptions and adoptions abroad, they made money on us. We were sold 
as the saying is like cattle. Now, if anyone wants to look up the information on that, if to go into the black baby market and the Independent did a fantastic mm-hmm. review on it, um, you'll get all the information there as well. But that's strong talk. We were sold. You know, yeah. Kind of, what's that, what's well, that we were sold, yes. We were sold. I cost £100. It's just unbelievable. So it is. That's it. We were genuinely sold for money. I mean, we were like a cattle mart. There was even advertisements in the American papers. If you want a blue-eye baby girl or boy, contact St. Anne's Society. And, I mean, here was the third highest in Ireland. Sister Hildegard, who was at, over it at the time, was the third highest for adoptions in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Here was. So why did the parents uh, of those children and young, young adults at the time... Uh, why didn't they take charge of their own children? Well, some of them did. I mean, I have to say, my grandparents came back and my mother and myself got out, so it was perfect. Some did. Some maybe mightn't have the finances. And some then, it could have been the fact that it wasn't uh, a high society family who could afford to pay to come in here, paid privately as well for their daughter. And I think a lot of it could have been the fact that it was taboo with the religious orders and the religion at the time, to have a baby out of wedlock, you were treated totally different. I know things are possibly quite a bit different today. Yes, thank God, and it's good to see. Um, I think it's lovely because we still have, as I say, 1,090 little angels in this place. And I think they are looking after everybody very well, I have to say. Mm-hmm. You can see it yourself, the atmosphere here is a slight bit different than what you were here four years ago. Uh, we've gone on and got good results. Roderick O'Gorman has been brilliant with us. And he's worked well with us as the We Still Here committee. He was down here last um, July. He walked through it. We got him the everything he asked we done. We got the scans, quotations for him. Tony gave him permission to come in and do uh, dig wherever he needed to dig. And we got it through the county development plan and the county council. We held that. And we've done everything above board. So all that's needed now is for the government to come behind us and finance it and get the real results out. Mm-hmm. Because, after all, the government put the Commission of Inquiry there and the Commission of Inquiry is the ones that came up with the 1,090 children. We had 1,024. Okay. So the Commission has gone so far. The government is part of the Commission and the Commission needs to... They said it wasn't, but it was they set it in place and it's up to them then to come on and finish it. All we're asking is to get the scans finished now and put a rest to it and memorialisation on it. Okay, That'll all happen, I'm quite sure, in time and maybe a little bit of time and maybe just only around the corner. But the sisters just up the road here or down the road here from here, how supportive were they to your your, your task? Um, Not really supportive um, did, actually any time letters was written by go- to the government and they were kind of refusing to answer any of them there's actually no sisters here now living on Sean Ross mm-hmm. they've all actually gone since the new owner Tony took it over mm-hmm. um, they're just seemingly according to Roderick O'Gorman it's a work in progress with them that's mm-hmm. the best way in saying it yeah. Place. It was run as a business with the sisters, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was run as a business, Say, as I say. Our business was uh, selling the children, and that's the easiest way of putting it, Eamon. I'm not going to say it any other way. And then it came in as St Anne's for the mentally and physically handicapped, which brought back a bit of goodness that they kind of worked with them mm. on it. You know, it gave a little bit of hope back. So it did. Absolutely. What does it mean to you to come in here the day like today and uh, this open day this year? It makes me proud. It makes me proud to be saying, right, it's not, it is my history. It's my past. It took me a while to get it. 
But I'm proud of it at the same time because I think any of us that has come out of here have stood the test of time. We have stood everything that every government Trona has by not allowing us to get our details. But I think it made us stronger. We have a very strong united front and you'll see that with the people that come here today from America, from Scotland, wherever they come. They all have a strength that is unbeatable. Absolutely unbeatable. And I'm proud. I'm proud to say it now. It took me a long time to say that, but I am now. We're just, we're just here outside the front of the, of the building we're here in a kind of a, an area, a yard area, or whatever, yeah. a little bit of ground area. I'm sure a lot of people came and collected babies right where we are right now, and the mothers inside just waving goodbye. That is 100% true. A lot of children were taken here without even, say, without even the mothers knowing it, falsified on adoption signs, legally, illegally signed. Um, there was an awful lot, an awful lot, you know, seeing their children go. And the most perfect example of that was Philomena Lee, and she's told us herself standing at the window crying and seeing her son getting into the care and being taken. I mean, that, that was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Why would anyone allow that? Why would sisters, people in charge of this place, allow that to happen? Good question, Eamon. If I had the answer to that, I think I'd win the lotto. I'd be honest. I can't. I genuinely can't. I think it was greed in ways and money. Greed was a lot of it. I'm with Teresa Collins. We're taking a very first break. I'm here at St Anne's in Ross Grey. We're back just after these. Indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. I'm here in St Anne's here in Ross Grey. Uh, Teresa's still with me. Teresa, we are after coming into the building now. Talk to me through what, what's happening. Yes, Eamon. Um, any of us that came in, or any of our mothers that came in back in from the 60s to the 70s, this was the first port of call. This was the room you seen, and this is the room where you were registered. You were given a false name. You were given your uniform and you were taken by the nun then downstairs. What age were you at that stage? Well, I was born here, so my mother was 18 and a half at the time. Okay, okay. Okay, so that's... that's look, let, you, let you continue on that. Okay, taken downstairs. Yeah, the, you'd be taken downstairs. Um, you couldn't use your own name. You had to use the house name to give them. That was the way it was done. Um, your, then your identity was gone from the minute you left mm-hmm. here. Your identity was absolutely gone. What was their idea giving you a false name? Well, sure. What was their idea with selling them either, you know? It's a good question, Eamon. Um, I think it was maybe not to let people know who was who. Because mm-hmm. even when they were downstairs or in the dormitory, they weren't allowed to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So they weren't. And it kind of... I suppose the nuns being secretive, as we know ourselves, and trying to get the, ta- uh, get the files... The whole lot, we know how secretive they have been. Okay. And a lot of it then was, well, there was illegal adoptions, which was private and money going then the other way, you know. Okay, we have come through that, that area there, that, that massive room that, uh, where you were identified and all of the rest, and now we're coming through a corridor. Yes, this corridor was kind of the one that was taken down to the back stairs um, to where the nuns themselves, or sorry, where the people give birth. This was actually one of the famous windows we ever had where Philomena seen her son go. This is the window? This is the window, yeah, where Philomena seen her son go. So I'm just looking out this window now and I just find uh, the overgrowth and undergrowth and all the rest and uh, beautiful surroundings. Yeah. It, look, it, it had beautiful surroundings, but it held a lot of badness within them surroundings. Yeah. I mean, I often say myself, and it's a question I often ask, if I was a nun, how would I do what I'd done? 
how would I rest? And that does get to me at times. How did they do what they done? Because genuinely, we cannot answer that. Mm-hmm. You know, were all the nuns the same? You know, was it just the river mother at the top? No, there was one or two current people, good nuns, but mm-hmm. then they had to be quietly good nuns, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There was some of them that, as if they had a bar of chocolate to give to some of them, and there was a little bit of things like that done. A bit of kindness. A bit of kindness, but not all of them, and they did that kind of quietly, so as I think I'd say so as the nuns at the top wouldn't know. OK, OK. So, OK, we're going through another corridor now, Teresa. Just uh, turn yeah. right, and here we go. Um, this corridor, then, again, is still down now to where the basement comes. This will be all part of the the main nuns area basically mm-hmm. so it would have been and there would be rooms as you go down along um, on each side which would be you know what I mean okay. non- there could be their rooms I know some of the nuns had uh, places to stay down here now as you come down along we're going down the stairs now yeah, when uh, you were here last this wasn't uh, done up the way it's done up oh no it's beautifully done up now it's beautifully done up I have to say the lads the, and Tony has taken it over has it lovely um, now you're coming down here to the most hardest part you can get the kitchens okay. and where the Burton room is over further I'll show you as well um, now if you come on this way now you're really into where they were put each of these rooms along was where they were put to have the babies before they had the children so this is where this is where the mothers were put. Where and, the and mothers were put, yeah, individually. Yeah, and then did a did a doctor see them or what happened at that stage? Um, no. Midwife. Or no, whatever. no. Very few midwives, very few doctors, according to the mothers that was here. Um, the pain relief was absolutely zero. So it was absolutely zero. So those young mothers had. A, unbelievable time hadn't it absolutely people don't realise the time they had and what they actually went through now Eamon the two doors I'm bringing you through here is actually the Burton rooms oh my god this is uh, just an unbelievable moving feeling right right now isn't it yeah now I have to say Tony and the boys have it painted up and done a bit better um, this is where you get Bert looking out at stone wall one each side there's a round kind of a ceiling to, for the most part. Arch ceiling, yeah, which is unusual actually mm-hmm. in a building. It's very, very unusual. Um, but as you see, you could get nowhere. So tell me, if something went wrong in the birth and all that, in, in, in the delivery, what happened then? Well, basically the nun did what she could to get the child out and if she didn't, did it, the child ended up and the mother ended up at times dead, both. There was no real sympathy for them here. Absolutely none whatsoever for the mothers giving birth here. No real sympathy. Mm-hmm. Baron, if you went through a straight normal labour, you were fine, but if you didn't, you know... You know something? This is a scary place now. I just feel scary about it. Yeah, a lot of people feel that when you come back in. Yeah, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's eerie. It's absolutely. Yeah, it's eerie. Um, they do. A lot of people do, because I'd say if these walls could talk, oh my God. we'd get some story. you get the truth. you get the truth out. So tell me, if the mother, the baby was born and everything didn't go right and the mother died and the baby died, what happened to, the, to both of those? Well, this is where we have kind of the trouble um, of identifying because we have no actual, we have the records of 1,029 deaths of infants. Mm-hmm. 
ourselves. And the Commission said the 190. So this is where we say they're buried, we hope, in the Angel's Plot or adjacent to the Angel's Plot, and that's why we want the scans to make up, because the nuns only put in the record of 269 deaths. Mm-hmm. But actually, I look back at my own year of 1963, when I was born myself, there was actually eight through the Freedom of Information, and yet when the Commission of Inquiries came out, they only gave two deaths at that year. So that's uh, six that's unaccounted for mm-hmm. in that year alone. Why did the nuns only give 269? Well, they said that's all they had the records for, but in saying that, the Commission of Inquiries did say that they found their nuns' uh, report kind of misleading. It's the word they used, misleading, and maybe non-informative. That's the words the Commission used. Serious accusations, all right, there's no question. So, so this was, how many beds could you fit in here? I wonder. We think, um, two, we think. Now, as I say, any of the mothers that I'd been talking to, they said they were on their own. Well, with someone, maybe a nun there, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I think it was two, two per, per time. Uh, the other one then is out here. It's the same again. It's out at this side. This is the second part of it Oh, yeah, here. yeah, it's roughly around the same size again. Same size again, same thing again, same, yeah. same way. So then, the baby was born, type of thing, and everything, everything that went well and all the rest. Uh, what happened to the baby and the mother then? Well, what would happen is usually within 24 hours of born, uh, you'd be carted up to the church. And I'll take you, show you how close actually the church is to everything now. We're, we're going to another corridor now. This is uh, St. Anne's as it, as it was all those years ago. In fact, uh, it's hugely decorated and beautifully, uh, beautifully finished today. But we, we're just talking about what it was like. We're going up a kind of a hill here now, a kind of a hill corridor, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. This was the way now they used to bring the nuns. Now, Teresa, we have come to kitchen area. Yeah. I mean, this is the original kitchen that was here. Um, where the women slaved, and they did slave for the nuns, because they did the cooking, the cleaning, the tidying, the washing, the floors. They did everything for free. They actually never paid for the jobs to done. Mm-hmm. So, as you can see, down again, you're looking out on four walls, basement. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was kept very down ground and down lower mm-hmm. than what you see when you go up to meet them upstairs. So when the mother had the baby and then the baby was brought, uh, they were, where was the baby brought and the, the mother baby, The baby was put in then to the day nursery, or the nursery mm-hmm. as they call it across there. You can see it from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mother would see the baby twice to feed it in the day. And the mother would either come work here then or in the laundries, wherever it was work was had to be done, okay. stripping the beds or washing or whatever had to be done. So then how long would the mother have stayed here? Um, if the mother hadn't the money to pay herself or get herself out, she could be here three years, okay, and work, even work, longer. Work. Yeah, working. And she'd have the little baby with her all the time? That's provided the baby wasn't sold in the meantime and gone. Well, the baby could be sold? The baby could be sold. Yeah, the baby could be sold. A lot of the cases is that that's what happened, like when the mother wouldn't have, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, two years down the line, if the child had to say, come in, sign this, and you're adopted out, you're gone. And what happened to the mother then? She well, li- she'd have to work her time out for what she paid here. And once her time was worked out, then she'd have the chance of going. Now, in saying that, some of them did get jobs with the nuns. They did get them into employment, say, in big houses and stuff like that. So yeah, that yeah. part was part of it as well. But at the same time, to get that, they had to lose their child. 
Sad, sad. Tell me about the family at home then. What, did the family come in to see them or what? Or how was that done? As far as we can gather, one man came in to see. Now, and I'm giving the men a bit of credit here. He wanted to see his girlfriend, and she knew he was expecting every time. He called five or six weeks, and in the end, the nuns told him not to come near. So some families did come and go see them and bought them home. Some didn't. It was a mixed way of dealing with it and what way it was dealt with. And other families then didn't want to know? And other families just didn't want to know. A lot of the, Some families now just said, look, it, we'll give you a few pounds, let the child off. And there was a lot of that done. And what was done a lot to women was the way they'd move from one to the other. Um, we say Sean Ross, Bessborough and um, Castle Pollard were the three, ma- the three sisters, we call them. Mm-hmm. They were run by the Sacred Hearts. So if there was a baby down here... It could be transferred to Dublin or it could be transferred to Cork. And if someone came in here looking for a baby, it could be bought from Cork. So it was, as I say, it was a cattle mart. I'll call it nothing else but a cattle mart. For people out there then on the other side of it that wanted to adopt a baby, it wasn't a big challenge for them. No, no problem at all. I mean, even we see that now, even with newspapers. America now was fantastic for that. Um, we went back on the books when we were seeing, you know, when we looked at the rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the early 1950s, the Chicago Herald comes to mind, where a man put up that he got two beautiful children adopted, two beautiful baby buying girl out of Ireland, and uh, recommended if any the American families that couldn't have kids to come to Ireland and you get your child. Mm-hmm. So basically, this kind of sparked off. Uh, and information on the American side as to why there were so many American women coming over, having children in Ireland, and going back and registering them as Americans. So in the spark off of that, it actually turned around again, coming back to Eamon de Valera's son, who was the gynecologist above in Dublin, and they were selling out the babies from Dublin outwards, and it was done. But when the letter came in from the official government, say, from America... It came, of course, to the Irish government, and, of course, the Irish government immediately stopped the trading of adoptions then at that stage. I'm with Theresa Collins to tell us the whole story of St Anne's here in Ross Grey. We're here at an open day. We're back just after these. And indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. I'm with Theresa Collins. Uh, Theresa, how Indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. Uh, the, the third part of the programme, and I'm still here in uh, Sean Ross. Uh, Teresa is still with me, Teresa Collins. Teresa, we're here now in the church. Uh, yeah. looks to be a narrow church, doesn't it? It looks to be a very narrow church, but we were always wondering, you'd see St. Michael's Ross Grey on your birth cert, mm-hmm. and for years we didn't know where St. Michael's of Ross Grey was. We thought it would be the main church, and actually... This is St. Michael's. This is all in-house. Mm-hmm. That's why everything was done in-house. Mm-hmm. So when you'd have your child, if you were capable of bringing up your child for baptism, and usually it was the day after they were a lot baptised, and if you weren't capable, the nuns would bring it up, up to the holy water fund, baptise the child, and mm-hmm. uh, be it. And a lot of the mothers used to watch from the balcony up here, mm-hmm. um, watch their child when the nuns wouldn't give him for him to be baptised. Oh my God, there's a balcony up here, yeah. Yeah, yeah I see that. Yeah, no. so it is. So that's... There, yeah. were, there were hundreds of babies uh, baptised here. There's roughly, uh, I think as far as we can gather, about 7,000. As far Seven. as we can gather. Now that's only a rough guess. Um, I mean, all our baptismal certificates is St. Michael's, any of us that was here. We're all St. Okay. Michael's. Even you were born here uh, when, early 60s? I was born in 1963 here. Okay. Yeah. So can you, what can you remember of your... 
of the whole thing now. Uh, I know you escaped out of here. Very little, Eamon. Only what uh, my family has told me I, and what my actual records have told me. I was born on the 20th and I was christened the 21st of December. And I was brought back home by my grandparents, I'd say, I think it was about the end of January. February. So I was only a little time here. Mm -hmm. um, fair juice to my grandmother. She was a fighter. So I suppose I got it from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and my grandfather. So, um, so really only for you, like, for, for the most part, uh, a lot of this had been hidden and forgotten. A lot of this had been hidden and forgotten. And it isn't until you grow up yourself, I think, and you realise, well, when my grandparents went to tell me my own story, Mm -hmm. um, hit me like a ton of bricks I'll be honest yeah. you know you just don't know what to make it and then as it went on I had my own kids and I went to look for my adoption files as mm -hmm. you know your mm -hmm. history as your past mm -hmm. and from that then I kept working with it and just got to know the people that was in the same boat as me and we took it from there basically how did you get out of here? my grandmother paid 100 quid for me that's how that's amazing yep 100 quid in 1963 I was a very expensive baby, as I said to her. <laughs> you know. I'm so glad to be able to go out to the gates, truly. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at, um, I could be anywhere in the world, but thanks be to God, I got to see my grandparents. I got to see my side of the family, well, and that means a lot. Absolutely, it means everything. So it does everything. We're just coming out of the church here now in, in Sean Ross, and a thought that struck me as I came through the door here, uh, coming out, that... Uh, Teresa was saying there was 700 christened and baptised and all the rest here. Uh, there's 1,090 that died. So what happened to the other 6,000? Good question, Eamon. Um, we, have, we have a few that we know definite, but we have, with the illegal adoptions, we can't answer all. We genuinely cannot answer all. You oh, know, we, we have no records to answer. Yeah, we have no idea what any of them are, the, apart from the other one that comes back. Apart from the people that comes back. Now, in saying that, we have maybe about 2,000 back mm -hmm. that comes back and looking, and maybe there's more out there that didn't want to come back. Okay. You know, you have to look at that side as yeah. well. Well, the other side of it is, I suppose, a lot of the adoptions, people were well looked after by parents, that, the new parents type of thing. Yeah, there was a lot of them very well looked after, now we can mm -hmm. say that, but there was a lot of them then that went through a you know, misfortune as well. Yeah, they okay. didn't quite... Because when the nuns did give out children, they didn't look at the age group of who they were given to, especially the ones here in Ireland. Um, even the ones, say, out from the industrial schools, the mm -hmm. boys and that, they could be given to people... 16, 17 years of age and a young lad at 8 and 10 out doing the work of a 13 and 14 year old. They just didn't look at who they were giving them out to. They were getting rid of them. They were getting paid to get to, get, to have them there, like, you know. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of the older men now and that will be back today that he's from the schools and they will be well able to answer mm -hmm. your questions on that side of it. Okay, okay. Okay, we're going to the, the laundries. Yeah. Again, now, Teresa, we're going out to the laundries. That's right, Eamon. Um, first time this year actually seeing the laundry open and we have it open for the people coming back. I'd say there'll be a lot of tears because when you go in, you'll actually see what I mean. Um, it's okay, we, okay, we, we take, now we're going through the door as we head, for, we head into the laundry. The laundry room where a lot of the women slaved, did their washing and did everything. Um, it has been a little bit done up, as you see, since, um, with the owners, and it's how probably a work in progress. How can we describe it? Um, it is about, what, 15, 20 feet wide and about 100 yeah, feet long? Yeah, I actually, do you know, 
I'm stuck for words to describe it. Yeah. Because when you come in here, you have a nun sitting down, watching you from the time you come in to the time you go home. The nuns are change over, they'd watch you. Watching you for what? Watching to make sure you're doing your job. Okay. So it is. Now, this is a very interesting thing, Eamon. My God, I have no idea. It's like a rail track. It's like a rail track. This is where um, they'd have it heated up here. It was basically like a furnace. This is where the washing and um, where to do the lighting the fire, drying the clothes each side. Oh, my God, this is just most, most unusual. Yeah. And look at the furnace inside. It would be a huge furnace, and each, the three of them can come out and the way of drying the clothes. And then they had, that is the original stacks, stacks uh, where once your clothes were dried or your sheets or whatever you had, they were put there then, I suppose, ready to be ironed or whatever they did with them. And that's what was there. But that was on the go, constant. It's just an amazing, it's amazing, amazing picture. It really is. It's um, seemingly there is one in the workhouse in Galway. Now I haven't seen the one in Galway. Um, history is in it, isn't it? Oh my God! I, I just couldn't believe this is still around. Yeah, it's still around. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, Tony is talking about leaving it here. We're not moving it. I think it deserves to be here. Oh, it deserves to be here. It deserves oh my to God, be here. It's, it's, it does. It's, it's, it does. It's, it's just, it's just. Tell me, where was it? All the clothes, where were all them? They were on contract for here, were they? Uh, some of them are their own clothes within, and they say they never took in clothes to be done, but I'd say they did because, I mean, mm-hmm. you can see why. Yeah. You can see. How many people would have been working here? Depending on how many of the, the mothers that was in at the time, yeah. you could have 18, you could have 15, depending yeah. on how many mothers was here. Yeah, okay. um, I think the usual amount for mothers was about 80 to 85. Mm-hmm. You know, at a time. Do we have any stories from the models that actually worked in here? Yeah, there is a few. There's actually one lady, I didn't realise it until I heard the story, that she, um, she actually got burned in a... I'll take you into the far side where the tubs used to be, the bets of hot water, and she got burned so bad, but she did die after they took her over to the hospital, but okay. she did die of her burns and her issues. Okay. So she did. Um, there has been one or two that did work in here, so it is kind of different to what you'll see. Now... We're, in, we're after moving from that room into another room. This is uh, still part of the same place. This is part of the same place. As you see, this is where the old wash tubs would be for okay. turning on your water and then in and out Oh, my God, water. yeah, with the valves and the, the, whole lot, the, the, yeah. the pipes and all that kind of the stuff. The whole yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they were big tubs. Mm-hmm. And for the washboard, you know yourself yeah. now, back in those days, it was scrubbing hands and yeah. washboard. And, and I mean, they'd have two each side, they'd have two here and two here, and just in with the sheets or whatever they were washing and scrub the life out of them. And you had one, two, three, four sets there to do. Okay. So th- this is where slavery was? This is where slavery in earnest was. I think this was the hardest part of it because you'd start at 8 o'clock in the morning and you'd finish at 6 o'clock at night, 7 sometimes, depending on what was going ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'd stop for your prayers and definitely the prayers had to be a thing with the nuns done. Um, as you see again, you're looking at nothing, a, wa- a window down there, a window just there. Practically darkness in here. Practically darkness. You can see that yourself now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, you look at the old fuse boards there as well, like, you know. Oh, absolutely. And they say, as the saying is, the nun again sitting so you wouldn't go out, you weren't let out, Bernard, you had to go to the bedroom. And the other side, if you went out, they feel that you could do a runner, head for the gates. No? <laughs> I'd love to try it, but I don't think... Um, yeah. It's too enclosed okay. and too far in. 
-hmm. You'd have, I think, as far as I remember here, there was one couple did escape out of it and went, but they got help from the people. Outside. Outside, yeah, yeah, they got help. But they were actually very emancipated and very, you know what I mean, yeah, when they got out. Yeah. Um, I, we don't know, they did get to Dublin, we do know that, but we don't know how far or where they went after that. Absolutely. This is just an amazing part of the place, and this is like what all the talks about, you know, the mother yeah. and baby homes and the... And the laundries and all that kind of thing. You know, this is just. This uh, is it. You're living it here. You're yeah. actually living it. I mean, I know I was a baby, but to the people that lived it, it's mm. a hell of a story. It's a hell of a story. And I think people outside don't realise how much we fight for our history, how much we fight for our identity by getting a, a birth cert, by getting something about you as you were. Mm -hmm. Because I often say it even to my own children. They have a birth cert, they have their father's, they have their mother's name on it, they know who they are. Mm -hmm. We didn't have all of that. And, you know, to, to even you're going at 60 years of age and you're still trying to get your history. I mean, that is, to me, you know, you serve your country, you do your work, you do everything. Why won't it give us our history? It's a question, you know, they have the answers. And there is answers being hidden. We're not blind to see that. And um, we know between state and church, they hid a lot. And they did a lot of damage to people that needn't have been done, to be honest. I'm with, still with Teresa Collins. Absolutely fantastic lady, telling us the whole story of this place. My God, people outside would just love to be in here to see where people did work. I know I, I really feel that people would love to see this place. Eamon, they will, and that's why we do kind of the open days, just to let mm. him see. Now, we wouldn't have had this if the nuns were still here because we'd definitely be told to go away. Oh um, God, <laughs> Teresa, <laughs> we're going to take another break, Teresa, and it's a, it's a real pleasure. We're back just after these. Okay. Oh, my God. Indeed, you're very welcome back to the final part of uh, Down Your Way. I'm here in uh, St. Anselm, Ross Graham. We're heading towards the graveyard where there's a thousand and, what, 90 people, 90 children? Approximately a thousand and ninety, approximately, yeah, okay. according to the government, um, Commission of Inquiries. Okay. As we pass down just into the graveyard, there's a nun's, nun's graveyard. That's right, Eamon. Sisters, graveyard, Sisters uh, yeah. the nuns that was here. Um, when you look out at how beautifully on the road they are, all names on the crosses, I mean, I can't understand when the little children died, why didn't they put a name or marker of some sort on the little children and identify them because that would have made our lives a lot easier. You, so I'm, it would. I'm just wondering, uh, as I was walking around there a little bit, uh, with, uh, with there's a lot of statues and a lot of holiness and grottoes all over this place uh, on one hand, and then you had the daylight robbery of uh, children. Couldn't have put it better myself, Eamon. That is very true. Yeah. yeah, you often say, how could they be so saintly and so holy mm -hmm. and yet treat human life and human children that is the way they did treat them? Because, I mean, God always said, I mean, I always say, suffer little children to come unto me, which is one of my favourite sayings mm -hmm. in it. And um, I don't think God meant, meant him to suffer that way. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. <coughs> you know? This is... There's no question about it. When I was here four years ago, this is the most lonely journey that anyone could make, is right where we are right now. It is, Eamon, because you're walking down. I mean, you're walking down. You only came down here to bury a child, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, you only came down to do that. That's right. It is a very lonely place for a graveyard. You know, I think it was out of sight, out of mind when you look at it. And even you see that yourself with the surroundings. I mean, I often say, why put a little child down here whether they were born out of wedlock they're still little angels in my book 
It shouldn't be, they shouldn't have been so far away. And I mean, recognition, there isn't a child, there's one or two, all right, with names and headstones on, but that was the family put them up seemingly, not the nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, People used to come in years ago and they have plaques and nice little things. And the nuns actually took them up off it. Mm-hmm. We often wonder why, you know. But I, I definitely think it's so far out of, out of line. The poor little craters, I mean, they have absolutely nothing down here. It's very lonely, very, very lonely. It's certainly isolated. But there's some peace and tranquility about it as well as we walk down here. There is, but... Um, I wouldn't say it's tranquility. You don't know, is it uh, peace and tranquility out of loneliness? Do you know that sort of a way? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it isn't the peace and serenity that you'd like to see, that you'd often say you love yourself. It's it's hardship. It's a very, very hardship site. And as I say, as you walk in now to the left, um, where the trees are there, and you see the height of the trees... That is the section that we're actually looking as well to be scanned because originally back in 1974, this was all the one field. <laughs> and we, if there is a 1,090, there's no way this grave plot at howled a 1,090 if they're buried individually and done it. We did make out a map that you would hold 269 here, that it shows. Now, the Commission of Inquiries did say there was also a pit in this area and there's also an underground tank mm-hmm. now they were never investigated either with the commission of inquiries mm-hmm. so i mean that is a question you'd look at and as to why so there's quite a bit of work to be done here yet quite a bit of work on the if we got the scans done eamon and the clear trees cleared that would answer an awful lot of questions mm-hmm. it would answer roughly yeah there is more buried adjacent to this graveyard and if it is then well memorialisation, put a, uh, a field, make it into one big graveyard. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of questions and work to be done. But look, Roderick has the estimates gone in. We have everything done that the men asked. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just waiting now on the final to say, yes, we'll get to go ahead to do it, or no, we won't. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's yes, because finances, we're talking about eighteen to 20,000 to do it, which is nothing to do an extra scans and to clear that there, that is absolutely nothing. Does people come down here and pray and a bit of solace for themselves and families? They do, and even um, Tony was saying there now, and Paul Fogarty was telling me since they've opened the house and doing the renovations while they're there, um, they have unlimited with people coming and going, absolutely unlimited. Mm-hmm. You know, and people asking questions. I'd give my, I've got a few phone calls now because the lads actually give my number now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why we have a lot of them coming. We have a few first-timers coming here today Absolutely. now. Absolutely, good stuff. Well, Teresa, look, at, uh, we appreciate your time and we're going to talk to one or two more around the place uh, as well. Uh, look, at, it's just a moving story. It is very, very moving. Yeah. But it's a story that has a hard ending but can be made a good ending too. You can work with it. Joe Price, how are you doing, Joe Price? I'm good. I'm good, Eamon. Good to yeah. talk to you. Yeah, good to be here today, yeah. Very much a part of it. Great influence with the politicians. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, we try and uh, we try and do what we can, if yeah. you know what I mean. How did you get associated with uh, Sean Ross? Um, I became involved with uh, Deputy Martin Brown's office, and Martin's had a long association with uh, Sean Ross Abbey and uh, with working with... Uh, with Theresa and everybody involved, so uh, mm-hmm. it was natural that. Uh, it was a major, a major program of work, wasn't there? There was indeed. You know, there's there's a lot involved. There's still some left to do, but I think we've made good progress in terms of you know uncovering some of the uh, 
some of the answers maybe that still haven't been unearthed as a result of uh, the Commission's investigation into mother and baby homes. Mm-hmm. Patrick McDermott is with me uh, on his way in here. How are you doing, Patrick? You I'm go- doing fine today. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. You were born here? Or? I was in 53, okay. and I went to America in 57. Mm-hmm. And my mom was here with me the whole time, and uh, but I never knew her. Um, you know, when I left, I was about going on four years of age, and um, we went to the States, and parents picked us up there at the airport and then later um, adopted us. Uh, it was all prearranged by, by the, the orders here, the nuns. So, How do you look back on all those years now, the nuns in particular? Uh, I'm still a believer. I, I'm, I have my faith in, in, in God, and... So I do believe in a divine power of mercy. And because of that, I'm one that's very uh, slow to judge other people. I don't know what the motivations were other than to say that I think a lot of people um, got caught up in something that was much bigger than them. And I, for some odd reason, in the last couple of years, I've learned just to think with my heart a bit and try to put my in the position of the others. So, um, Did you ever get back home to see your mom? No, I did not. I uh, found her in the 90s, uh, but she didn't want to have me come over. She said, uh, no, that was just not going to happen. And I, I understood that. I do understand that. It's, uh, it's that thing about small village life. Uh, I've lived in places like that myself, and um, you know, everybody knows everybody. Uh, you can't just come out with something like that and have everybody know know your secrets. So I'm very empathetic. I'm very empathetic to her plight. Her, uh, you know, her her choice was a hard one, and um, so I didn't get to see her after she passed away. Though I did come over. That's when I started coming over and actively uh, searching for my family to try to find them. And I was successful. I was very successful. And some of them are here today to support me. So I feel very touched by that. Good to be here today, and uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. I appreciate your uh, coming out to talk to us. Nice to be with us on Down Your Way. Thank you, sir. And have a good day now. We want to say hello to Martin Brown uh, here in just outside uh, St. Anne's here in Moscow. Martin, what a moving experience this place is. It is, Eamon. The, just when you walk into the place, you get that sense of something historic had happened there. And I've been involved with Teresa now, I suppose, for the last five or six years. And it wasn't until I came up here the very first time that it really sinks in what has gone on here down through the years. And hopefully things are starting to look as if they're going to get resolved to Teresa's. And we're still here as the group. And for anybody that was born here or went through places like Shenross and all around the country, that change is coming and it's, I suppose, a relief for families like Theresa and that, that these kind of days can take place now without the stigma, I suppose, that was there down through the years. Absolutely. Indeed, uh, I just had to come up from the graveyard. What an experience down there. Ah, it is, yeah. As soon as you walk in the gate and see the mm-hmm. centre stone there and to realise what has gone on there, I mean, Real peaceful, and I think everybody we've spoken to down through the years, that is the impression they get as soon as they walk in, that there's just that sudden... You know you're in a bit of history, I suppose, and a sense of relief, and that inside, in that angel's plot itself. 
It's amazing, amazing experience. You know, words couldn't describe it. No, words can't describe it. And I think that was one of the things, even when Minister Roderick O'Gorman came down, mm-hmm. it was one of the things he remarked on when he walked into that plot below that day. Mm-hmm. There has been a bit of progress then by the government uh, over the last number of years. I suppose there has, I mean, uh, look at what has gone on in homes like this down through the years is now is really coming to light. And to be fair, Roderick O'Gorman, and I know Theresa would say the same, is that he has been very forthcoming to this committee and other committees like uh, Catherine Carlos and Tume and that. Mm-hmm. And he has been very helpful to the committee here on moving things forward. And to be fair, look at the county council have done mm-hmm. as much as they can as well. There's still a long way to go, I suppose, to mm-hmm. uncover the full truth and what happened in places like these. But like I said, that stigma that was there down through the years has gone now and the public are more aware of it. So as you go along, more and more people will find out the actual truth of what happened in places like Shenross.